Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Physiology Secrets Podcast. Bit of a different environment today. We are not at the office in Mulgrave. We're actually here at MSAC, so we've got a nice 50 meter indoor pool out, uh, out in front of us here. We've got a window in front. And we've got a different person sitting beside me today, so if you are watching, you can see that we've got Adam here. Um, Adam Hutton's the, what, what is your title now? Because it's changed a little bit over the last I think it's going to be Head of Strength and Conditioning for okay. MSAC Swimming. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Head of Strength and Conditioning for MSAC Swimming. So, a um, bit of background before we get into too much more about who Adam is. I was lucky enough to do my internship uh, and placement through uni under Adam, under the old Vic Centre days. Now it's all sort of transitioned to all being under MSAC. Um, so, known for the last couple of years, absolute gun in the strength conditioning space in terms of swimming in particular, working with some pretty elite swimmers as well. So, we're going to get right into that today, talking about strength conditioning uh, for swimmers, for triathletes, but then also the mobility side of things, integrating into your program, uh, and a bit of a rapid fire set of questions at the end. So, as our first guest, we're going to kick this one off with just give us a bit of background into what you do, who you are, what your background in strength conditioning is, and we'll get stuck into some of the stuff about swimming. Yep, so my background, I did a undergraduate degree at uh, Deakin, same as you, exercise and sports science. Actually same as Luke, I was yep. in Luke's same year. Yeah, so fun fun fact, Adam and Luke went to uni together, didn't really yeah. know two. We actually did, did really, one yeah. golf uh, study together. Biomechanics. Biomechanics yeah. golf <laughs> project. Yeah. Um, that's it, really. Yeah. Um, so did that, came out, did my internship at Melbourne Big Centre, managed to get a job straight after, which is lucky. Um, did some other placements at Actually, I did a Woodford. I did a little placement there, and then a really good one at the Victorian Cricket Association with the Bush Rangers and Adrian Mott, really good mentor of mine, really good coach. Then decided to do a masters at Edith Cowan in the strength conditioning field, and managed to take over in I think it was 2000, late 2016, yeah. as head of strength and strength and conditioning uh, for Big Center, because my current boss then decided to leave and take another job. So that's me now. My current role. We look after all the squads that MSAC Swimming have. So we have development kids, they range from eight years to say 11. Um, state development, state and national kids. And that ranges from 16 upwards. We have some uh, national and para-athletes as well. Yeah, cool. So pretty broad range in terms of developing athletes, but also some going to world champs, national champs. Yeah, so plenty yeah. of athletes going there. Fingers crossed yeah. that they go well and it opens and the, and the trial's coming up because they have world championships and then the following year, if they go well, Tokyo yep. and Olympic Games. So yeah, it's all pretty, times ahead. Pretty exciting working obviously with some pretty gun swimmers which big topic in particularly triathlons trying to boost the swim up a bit and also athletes talking about how we integrate strength. So this is where it ties in really nicely and I want to go into, first of all, why do you, why do you prioritise or why do you feel that strength, strength training and general strength conditioning is important for swimmers and obviously the swim component for how is it helping those athletes that you work with be better in the pool, better in the water? I think the two big things, and this is in most of the performance field, is can we improve performance, say, for our swimmers in the pool for their dives and start, uh, dives in our starts and our turns, but also their strength through the water. So if we can look at them getting them stronger in their pool motion, it means they're using less of their max percentage or max force in the water, so they're not going to tire as much. Um, if they can have a higher force output, hopefully they can produce that quicker, so their power output during the water is better. In terms of their starts, if they can produce force quickly, but also a high amount in that time, that might give them the edge off the starting blocks. And there's been literature that's showing that your takeoff velocity into the water is a big determinant in 50 meter uh, sprint performance 
The other aspect of it is just keeping athletes in the pool. Yeah. Um, if you can't train, you can't get better. So you need to maintain that to one, to get better at technique and conditioning and that load aspect of it. So half of it is just maintaining your ability to stay in the water. Yeah, and particularly similar to, obviously we work with a lot of the endurance guys, you've got a couple of open water swimmers as yep, well. Correct. Particularly for those guys where it is the longer distance events, if they can't be in the pool because they're injured, it's going to be huge in terms of the volume they can accumulate to, to be able to perform at their best as well. So critical aspect and just coming off the back of that, how do you find it, how do you find it fits in? How do you work with the specific swim coaches to be able to match it up with their in pool, in water, work that they do. How do you build it into the program so it's not interfering, but then also developing the things like their strength, what their force output is, like you mentioned before? So ideally, in terms of when we're gonna put it during the week, ideally it is after they're swimming, but as in anything, you have schedules, you have time constraints, you have all these different squats trying to fit in. So for the top athletes in our top squats, they do their gym after, because as it comes down to it, they are swimmers, they need to swim. That's their key skill is having that technique development, that conditioning development. So if they come up to the end a bit, bit fatigued compared to what they normally are if they're fresh, that's okay, because they had a good workout in. Um, it's also making sure that what I'm going to do in the gym isn't going to negatively affect them in the water. So trying to match up our blocks and talk. Um, I think sometimes it's easy to be in a silo. Yeah. So just be in my little space as a strength conditioning coach and I'm going faster, stronger, all these other things, but if it's not matching up with what the coach is doing, you can have some real issues. Um, where we've had some issues in the past that I've seen with swimming is high, high, heavy load, high volume sets that then causes the athlete to be really sore and they can't actually swim properly. Yep. Um, and you don't want that. Yeah, that's negatively affecting it. Yeah, so you're more looking at, and like we sort of spoke about before on the podcast in terms of strength, it's strength conditioning is a supplement to what yeah. these endurance athletes can be doing. Uh, whether you're doing it, whether you're a hundred meter freestyle or you're doing 10k water swims, triathlete, it's going to supplement your work in the pool, basically keep you ready to go so you can keep training, not injured, etc. As opposed to being the number one session of yeah. the week. No. There's, probably, there's probably phases where you might want to do a bit more of that. Is it like exactly? If we're like, would you prioritize a gym if you, obviously, if you're rehabbing an injury or if we're working a particular block very early season? Swimming is a tricky one because you've probably got a full yeah. year's worth, there's no real off season. We're actually having that discussion with one of the athletes now. He's just come off sort of eight, eight months of swimming. Yeah. So a lot of age, open water, long course, short course. So he's just had a lot, big block of time where he's been swimming. So he's actually decided to go pull back my swimming, maintain in the water, yep. have a big block in the gym, get strong, um, focus on that. So when it comes to more of the open water season, you can back that off a little bit, but still maintain it. Um, but the biggest section that we can improve in the gym is that I think starts and turns can make the biggest mm. biggest difference, but your strength in that pull is major. But you don't need to do high, high volumes yep. or pull-ups and stuff like that. Um, you get that in the water. Yep. So look for max strength work, develop that pull strength, would be the major major idea and goal. Yeah, yeah so sim similar to what we do in terms of when we talk about physiology and VO2 max, move the, move the top end of that capacity that your body can get to exactly. so that everything sub maximally is a lot easier. Yeah. Make sure that you can pull with a maximum force, but when you do it in the water and it's not at that maximum, it's that sub max, you can do it repeatedly for as long as possible. Um, yeah, bang on. So, something I do I do want to touch on because I know you're huge on it and you always have been mobility. 
Um, I'm going to link your Instagram account, your coaching account, because there's heaps of really good mobility stuff uh, on there. So if you're interested, it was A-H underscore performance coach. Yeah, I'll link it below so you can check it out, jump on his Instagram. But in terms of mobility for swimmers and just mobility for athletes in general, why is that such a critical part of the strength and conditioning makeup of what we do? It's not necessarily lifting weight or getting stronger per se in the gym, but you're really big on introducing into the program to help an athlete anyway. You want to talk through what your thoughts are on mobility, how it's helping, what does it do? Something I learned from Dr. Sophia Infus was um, your capacity dictates your strategy. So for the swimming example, if you can't get your arms overhead properly without losing your core position, your trunk, all that, you're going to be limited to certain strategies in your technique. And that could be in the gym, could be running, however you want to think about it. But if you can't get into a proper position, you're going to be limited to maybe one or two strategies. So we see that with athletes trying to swim. So in our state swim lab analysis, kids who can't get their arms fully over will end up in this position. It's not an ideal position to get your catch in. So how do we integrate it? Ideally with the older athletes, when you have time, you can screen and just have a look at what their baseline is. Um, a really nice test that I like is standing up against the wall, flat back. Can you raise both arms up and get to that ideally 180 degree mark? Yep. Um, quite a few of the swimmers can't do that, which is surprising. Yep. You think overhead sport should be mm -hmm. able to get your arms overhead. No. Yep. They fall into difficult patterns because in the water you can get away with it. But it's that over time, that overuse, that build up of bad patterns, dysfunction that can lead to injuries. Um, a big common one is pain through the front. Yep. So impingement, anti impingement. But generally, that is a cause, and it's happened from previous things. So if you just think, oh, it's just here, yeah. and that's the probably issue. Something more chronic, probably something yeah. more chronic. Probably something more chronic. So on that, we saw a lot of kids just struggle to get their arms overhead. So is that lat stiffness and tightness, um, high tone, and generally it is, but a good way to check, lie on the ground, can you get your arms overhead, so gravity will push it down, if you can get that, it's probably not the length, it might be the tone of your lats, it's just really tight and stiff and bound down. But sometimes a big thing I've been finding is, in terms of our scapula, they want to sit in a little bit of upward rotation, and a lot of people either sit, so in the swimming community, sit in downward rotation, so just to get up into the overhead position, you have to go a lot further yeah. than the normal. Yeah. So trying to develop just movement patterns correctly, strengthen that area is a big, big key one. So any wall slide variations are a big thing in mind. All the athletes know yeah. that. Okay, what's my favorite exercise? It's the wide wall slide. Yeah. Right? Because it's just yeah. a huge, huge component of getting overhead. Um, there's been studies done that when your serratus anterior and your lower trapezius, when they start working, helping that upper rotation, the rotator cuff increases activity, so it's going to fatigue more because it has yep. to work harder, and you get upper trap. So that's the other upper rotator that overworks and you get tight and stiff. Um, and we can see that a lot in our population. Yeah. Yeah. So is it mainly mainly shoulders is the is the big one that you target in terms of mobility? I think does it does it change between strokes but then also do you see something different in the, the guys who are more the sprint, sprinter, shorter distance stuff versus the longer distance stuff? The common trends, like obviously you said, most, most guys are struggling in that yeah, overhead yeah. position. Um, is it mainly just that shoulder? That most, most people struggle in that shoulder. There is, so in terms of thoracic spine of your upper back, I've found that looking at backstrokers and breaststrokers, they tend to be really extended and have that flat T-spine. 
So that's going to be a different mobility program for someone who is more pyophotic. Yeah. Um, that tends to be the butterflies. Yeah. Freestyles are sort of somewhere in between. Um, and then you just got to think, okay, what am I doing in my week, in my, in my life that's going to affect how I move? So if you sit down a lot, like a lot of these kids do at school, that's going to affect their hips. Yeah. What's their position like? Are they yeah. on their phone like this? So that might be looking at your hip flex length and also how, how does that move? How do you move through there? So we need to do a hip screen, an ankle screen to have a look at that aspect. More in the gym and how we move. Because generally in the water, except for breaststroke, um, they don't require a huge, around, a huge amount of hip mobility. Um, the breaststrokers, they need good internal rotation. So we do do a test to have a look at that. Um, and then we try to incorporate that in, we have activation sessions, so twice a week with the national group. Yeah. I run them through a 30 minute warm up that we go through raising the body temperature, which we do a little bit dry land, but it's mainly in the water for their warm up. Activating and mobilizing. So you get the little stabilizing muscles of your back, the upper rotators, your rotator cuff, get them switched on so you're ready for the pull. And mobilizing another key joint, so can you get your arm overhead? A good mobility drill was that for test we did before. So back flat against the ball, raise your arms up, breathe and relax. Don't be all so tense. Yes. We need to relax as we do these things. Yeah. Um, and the other part of mobility and warming up is the potentiation or power aspect. So get something to get you going. Yeah. It's the main way we sort of try to integrate. And then those screening or exercise that I pick up, hey that athlete that we can just tie that in the gym. So yeah. do your set of heavy squats, they need to work on your overhead, let's do a drill there. Yeah, cool. So definitely sort of looking at that holistic approach of they still need to move well all across the body, but you're going to be targeting those key those key parts that are very specific. Like I said, that overhead in the shoulder, clearly a key one. And I reckon every, every triathlete that comes in or every swimmer that comes in and sees this, uh, we have the same conversation, yeah, tighten the shoulders. So yeah. perfect to get in our head and give some examples of how we can test that and how we can look at it. So that's great. Just want to finish off today. We'll keep it keep it short as the, the previous episodes have been with just a bit of rapid fire questioning at the end. I've got a couple written down here. Um, so we'll keep it keep it nice and quick, just one, two word responses. If we want to elaborate on it, great, we'll, we'll get there, we'll see how we go. So first one I've got, favorite book? I read a lot of books, so I've gone through a few, but at the moment I'm reading Start With Why, by Simon Sinek, really like that one. Just helps you understand the processes, processes that you need to go through in your own life or other people's life to be successful. So, why, how, what? Simple as that. Yeah, cool. Interesting. Interesting. I'll have to read that one. Favorite quote? Let's change lives, people. Brad Harris. He's <laughs> my favorite one. He does it every time he leads the office to go coaching. Yeah. And just get you motivated. Just get you up and about. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Favorite coach or sports scientist in the industry, or someone that you would recommend to, to go and follow on social media for? I really like Tim Sukumel. Don't know if I said that right. But he's really good in terms of the weightlifting. Um, Paul Comfort is in that same same field, uh, and just because I've met her, and she's actually just a great human. Dr. Sophia Nippers, she's yeah. outstanding. Yeah. And any shoulder work, uh, Eric Cressy, unbelievable, yeah. really good. Yeah, cool. So four four guys all on social media. They're all on social media. Yeah, so you should be yeah. able to just look them up. Should be able to find the names. Yeah, you should be able to find them. I might I might link them down below yeah. to try and find uh, find their tags and stuff, and we'll we'll get them in there. Surprise you to throw on clock up clock up. He's one of your favourites. He is a favourite He's a favourite. He's a big, big Olympic weightlifter that we, that we both love, who's just the most mobile guy in the world for some of his size. He kind of scares me. Yeah. <laughs> right, take him as well. Um, swim, bike, run, row, or try? Ooh. 
I reckon bike. Get bike? into the bike at the moment. Yeah, getting into the lycra. Yeah, rowing just kills me. So yeah. I love it, but it kills me. Yeah. Might have to sneak in the lycra one day. I think it'd go all purple with my bike. Yeah, perfect. And last one that I'm going to throw, we've already plugged it today, but just plug your social media so anyone who's interested can go find you and go follow. Yeah. So go Instagram, AH Performance Coach, and all stuff training on there. Easy. Alright, that'll do it for another episode of the Physiology Secrets Podcast. We'll link everything down below. I'll go through and make all the notes nice and clear for you guys so you can find all, everything we've talked about today and have a bit of a look. Thanks again to Adam for joining us, our first guest on the podcast. More guests to come in the next few episodes and we'll see you in the next one.